Coffee Table comes from Pier 1 Theater, Homer's Community Theater, supporting community voices. Schedules and information on Pier 1 Productions at 226-2287 and pier1theater.org. Time is 9.02 a.m. This is KBBI Homer AM 890 and K201AO Seward 88.1 FM. I'm Kathleen Gustafson, and you are tuned to the coffee table. And the topic this week is the celebration of lifelong learning at the Homer Public Library. It happened this past Saturday night. It was a fantastic party, and I have some guests from the Friends of the Homer Public Library, and you will also hear recordings of the nominating speeches and acceptance speeches for the honorees, Thea Person and Samantha Cunningham. But here in the studio right now, Cheryl Ilg and Lynn Hampson. Good morning. You guys test your mic. How about you, Cheryl? You go first. Good morning. This is Cheryl Ilg. Can you hear me? No, because you need to speak into that microphone. Right here? Can you hear me? There you go. All right. (laughs) Yes, hi, I'm Cheryl Ilg, um, and I am the coordinator for the Friends of the Homer Public Library, and I've held this position for a little over two years now, and I've had a great time um, helping with events like the Celebration of Lifelong Learning with the hardworking board members, uh, Judy Gonzalez, Lynn Maslow, Sarah Reinert, Sarah Brewer, Dave Barry, Joyce Stewart, uh, Ann Dixon, Linda Robertson, and our awesome student rep, Cecilia Fitzpatrick, as well as Lynn Hampson, who's here today. Hi, Lynn. How's it going? Great. Great. Uh, So we'll hear from you a little later on tape because you give a nominating speech for Thea Person, the the student lifelong learner. The fantastic student long-time learner. Let's get you a little closer to that mic. You can pull it closer to you instead of, there you go. And it's, uh, did I, I'm sorry I interrupted you. Did you have a a stream of thought there that I just stepped in? Nope, just wanted (laughs) to mention that she was not just any student, but she was a fantastic student and a unanimous choice for the award. That's right. I'm I'm, uh, excited to hear, to to share it with everyone. But I would like to, let's start with a brief history of the celebration of lifelong learning. Here's what I know that uh, Daisy Lee Bitter was the first honoree in 2009. And I know that Carrie Restino started the Celebration of Lifelong Learning. That was her event when she was sitting in your chair, Cheryl Ilg, right? She mm-hmm. was the coordinator for the Friends. Yeah. And, uh, and now at this point, and now in 2023, she gets to see her sister, Samantha Cunningham, honored. But what can you tell us about that Celebration of Lifelong Learning? 
Um, it was a fabulous event. Uh, there were lots of smiling faces throughout the night. We had live music by um, the Spit City Slickers. We had the awesome trivia tree that so has been going fun. on since the very beginning by our lovely <laughs> trivia tree, tree queen, Kathleen Gustafson. Um, there was fabulous food on platters um, that were um, presented with uh, by Homer High School students. We had amazing high school poets um, at the um, celebration that had participated in the uh, Poetry Out Loud competition at the high school. Yeah, I'm sorry to say I don't have their recordings, mm -hmm. but I do have the Homer Swing Choir Another because they fabulous. were there to support Thea. Mm -hmm. And also, they were there to talk about the opening of Newsies, which is going to happen at the end of the month at the Mariner Theater. Mm -hmm. um, and in addition to that, we also had a live LARP demonstration, which with, was amazing. With weapons. <laughs> it was fantastic. <laughs> so I would like to just dive right in, because we have some recordings to, for you to hear. And I want to make sure we have a little time at the end to hear the swing choir and to talk about Friends of the Homer Library events. So first, Michelle Borland and Lynn Hampson with nominating speeches for the student lifelong learner, Thea Person. You guys ready to go? Anything we've left out? Okay, here comes Michelle. It is with great pleasure that we are recognizing uh, Thea tonight. I've come to know Thea as a student in um, advanced placement social studies classes, U.S. history and U.S. government and comparative politics classes. And she is truly a, a hard worker. I mean, these are classes that students avoid sometimes because they, they my reputation has preceded me and they know that it's, it's going to be a lot of work. And she thrives in that situation, and she strives for excellence, and she is a person, I think, who is authentically engaged, and she's not just looking for the information or not just looking for the answers to the test, but she is genuinely interested in, in the subject matter, which I really appreciate. And it's so much easier to teach a student who is really, really engaging with something in an authentic kind of way. And she really, I think, thinks too about how history and government affect real people and, and how, how we can see that in, in our own small town or in national issues. She's very self-motivated, and she is a very active participant in school and community activities. And she, I think, is one of those students that is kind of like a, a Renaissance student, and she's involved in music and drama and debate and academics, and she really is truly a, a well-rounded person. She is a, a very self-possessed and, and generous young woman. She uh, never shies away from working with many different people and different types of people, and she's very comfortable in herself. And I think, too, this, this class of seniors, which she is a part of, had their high school, I, every speech is always going to involve COVID, sorry, you know, she was one of those students who wanted to come back to school. She, she wanted to be in class, and she really, I think, appreciates, I think, kind of being in this, like, in-person learning environment, and she really shows the benefit of that. So I really appreciate her work ethic and, and engagement, and congratulations. Thea's freshman year, she came to the first meeting of Battle of the Books. She had already read the books. 
there were seniors who hadn't even realized what they were going to be reading, but Thea was there. She was a great participant. She supported everybody else who was reading and, and was an amazing contributor to that process. At the end of the year, she said, you know, I think I've got this. I know how to read. I know what we're doing. I need to take on something that's a little more challenging. And I'm not a real good public speaker, so I'm going to join DDF and learn a new skill. I mean, how many of us do that? Go, oh, well, that makes me really uncomfortable. I think I'll do it. <laughs> no. After that, I ran into her aunt in the parking lot, and she gave me a tape of Thea singing. So when I knew that she was a senior and that we were picking somebody for this honor, it w I decided I was going to come to the meeting because the board votes on it and, and say, I will give up anything. I, I will work your shift. I will check in books. I'll do anything if we can have Thea. And it was unanimous. I mean, I didn't have to do that. So I still have up my sleeve, you know, s some um, negotiating power. We all just decided. Uh, Thea is the person who embodies a young, eager learner. And there's no question in my mind that she will be a lifelong learner. If uh, I thought I was going to be alive 20 years from now, I would think that uh, I would be here listening to her get the uh, adult award. But uh, I'll have to be satisfied with this. So Thea, we just appreciate you so very much. Thank you so much, Ms. Borland. I promised I will write the research paper tomorrow. <laughs> Six pages, yay. And Ms. Hampson, too, you've been one of my favorite teachers for like ever. I really, really appreciate being up here today. I've had friends be in this position, and so to like be where they stood, well, I'm gonna try not to cry. <laughs> so I will preface this by saying that most of the speeches I have written in the past due to DDF have been done with like maybe 10 minutes of preparation. Um, I did write this beforehand, so I probably won't say anything too weird. By beforehand, I finished it at four o'clock this afternoon. And I think it's a pretty accurate depiction of me, so if it seems a little all over the place, that's why. In all honesty, deciding what I wanted to say today was kind of a challenge. I think I'm not very great at talking about myself in like more than a self-deprecating way. And what learning really means to me is something that I think I'm still kind of learning. <laughs> but I think I know why I learn. I know what drives me to learn and what makes me really enjoy it. It's because in a community like Homer, it's kind of impossible not to. Growing up here, I am surrounded by people who know so much. And a lot of them jump at the opportunity to, sh to share what they know. In this community, for every kid who wants to learn something, there are a hundred artists and professionals and teachers who want to pass on their knowledge and skills. My peers and I are all lifelong learners because in a place like this, it's kind of impossible not to be. The simple truth is that I could not be here without the guidance of a lot of people, and a part of me wishes I could just stand and list them out because I really can't thank them enough. And then, side note, when I first sat down to write this, I did that, and then I cried. It was a long day. <laughs> Unfortunately, listing all of you would take up all of my allotted time and would become not the most engaging speech in the world. Uh, so just know, even if I don't name drop you specifically, 
if you've taught me something or if I've had a conversation with you or we've done something together, you have taught me something and I'm forever grateful for that. So really this speech is dedicated to all my teachers, both in the classroom and out of it. The people who got me excited to learn. <laughs> people like Marvin Bellamy, who at age 15 handed me a chainsaw and said, I quote, use your brain and then left me without adult supervision. <laughs> People like Mr. Campbell, who somehow got me to enjoy classwork about Heart of Darkness. I mean no offense to Joseph Conrad or anyone who likes that book. Heart of Darkness is a literary classic, but there are no paragraph breaks and yes, it sucks. <laughs> This is to my dear, dear friends who will argue with me about literally anything. They're the ones who challenge me to be a better thinker, even if the argument is just whether it's Reese's versus Reese's. <laughs> you all inspire me every day, all the people in, th in this community, to take risks and to try new things and just to make learning fun. My greatest hope for the world is that every person finds the love of learning that so many people here have. I think that to be a lifelong learner, it's the passion for what you love that really is the most crucial trait. I think that when you love something, passion is what drives a person to learn everything about it. It's what pushes them to invest time and effort into it and encourages them to share that knowledge with everyone around them. And now for the emotional personal beat. Last year was one of the hardest years of my life. Coming back from a year of almost isolation, I know Ms. Borland mentioned, the, it always has to be the COVID part of the speech. We are going straight back into a busy school year with new workloads, social dynamics, and the looming threat of adulthood. I struggled with my mental health for months. I wasn't in a place of sadness or depression necessarily, but I lost a lot of the excitement that I had for what I was doing, and the world just ended up feeling numb. But it got better. And so now we get to the point I'm actually trying to make. I got better because I changed my priorities to better reflect my actual passions. So instead of stressing about my grades or what people think about me, I chose to put my time and energy into choir and DDF and Pier One and the things that I actually love. This year my motto has been, if I'm gonna be stressed, it's gonna be about the things that I enjoy. I think too often I and many of my peers fall into this pit of responsibility and schoolwork and forget that learning works best when you're having fun and you actually have a real passion for it. The reason I love to learn in the classroom and out of the classroom is because I have found what I am passionate about and I have put, or I've tried to put everything I have into it. And so now, because you've invited me to speak about my learning experience and I just explained, learning is when I'm passionate. I have reason to talk about my favorite things. I talked a few minutes ago about community, and so it's getting to be a part of things like Pier One Theater that's the most special to me. Because the people out here, folks in those shows, my mentors and my friends, they put their souls into their art, and it's the best experience ever. In Beauty and the Beast back in October, I got to witness a collaboration between people of every age group, with some with zero theater experience to people who have been doing it since they were born. 
every person in that theater was learning or teaching something. And you could feel how much love people really had for that project. And it was beautiful to watch. And so I see it right now, working on Newsies with the high school choir. There's such a wonderful mix of people who are both new to the experience and veterans who try their best to set an example. And we all learn together, whether it's choreography or music or just how to walk on the stage without sounding like an elephant. The learning we're doing is a bonding experience that's just filled with hard work and dedication to the craft. The constant effort that people around me put into their learning and teaching is truly incredible, and I aspire to be like them. I'm not trying to be anyone's role model. I, again, I finished this speech at 4 o'clock this afternoon, and I don't always set a great example. <laughs> but from my heart, I encourage all of you, everyone who wants to learn, do what makes you happy. Find the things that you're passionate about and that you want to learn about. Learning should not be a burden. It is knowledge that makes the world go round, and that's really a beautiful thing. So thank you all for being here tonight, for listening to my slightly rambly speech, to my family for supporting me and doing what I love, to my teachers, and I hope you all enjoyed the rest of your evening. That's Thea Person. Introduced by Michelle Borland and Lynn Hampson on Saturday night at the Home Republic Library, at the celebration of lifelong learning. Oh, and it warms my heart she talked about Pier 1 Theater. So thanks to Thea. Next up, Kate Meyer introduces Samantha Cunningham, this year's lifelong learner. And a little note on the audio. Uh, I don't think it's a surprise to anyone that Samantha Cunningham generally does what is right in the moment, not necessarily what is expected. It's, I believe it's a medic thing. Uh, because you're going to hear her go off that mic and on that mic and off that mic and on that mic. She was really engaging the people who were present and didn't, you know, pay attention to the microphone, which is, which is my problem, not hers. <laughs> so I just want, when you hear little bits of interference or if you start feeling a little seasick, I'm going to do my best to keep the volume consistent but the audio is a little different from uh, from Thea's. So next, here comes Kate Meyer introducing the Home Republic Library's 2023 lifelong learner, Samantha Cunningham. Here's Kate. This is so amazing. Thank you so much to the friends of the library for getting us all together again. This is awesome. Good evening. Samantha might be best known for her 28 years as a volunteer paramedic in Homer and as of 2021 as the Emergency Medical Services Chief at the Homer Volunteer Fire Department. Being a paramedic is no small feat. Certification involves between 1,200 and 1,800 hours of training, far exceeding the 210 hours required for EMT1. In addition to mandatory continuing ed trainings, Samantha's leisure reading includes such topics as mental health and gender issues, as well as the ever-changing landscape of recreational drug use. At least two years before COVID, she was reading books about the likelihood of a pandemic. On top of sacrificing decades of sleep, 
to be on call for thousands of medical emergencies, including saving my brother's life. Samantha has taught Homer's EMT classes for nearly 30 years. She's taught CPR and emergency trauma training to students at Homer High, Homer Middle School, the Village Schools, and Flex. She's taught first aid, CPR, to um, countless fishermen, new moms, nonprofits, government agencies, and Alaska State Troopers, as well as advanced cardiac life support to our other first responders, and even to our nurses and doctors. A true Renaissance woman, or medieval woman, <laughs> Samantha or Hazel Ra, has done deep dives in many areas beyond the professional. In 2015, she launched the Shire of Ice Fire Bay, Homer's live action role play, or LARP group. She learned everything she could about creating an entire medieval civilization. This included how to establish a shire, regulations, legal waivers, leadership structure, rules of the game, storylines, and financial management. She teaches the participants how to sew costumes, to make soft and safe weapons, and to be good citizens. She serves as a mentor, creative and artistic teacher, theatrical role model, and is an active LARP character herself. As if all that weren't enough, in 2019, she embarked on a new learning experience, Firefighter One Training. This class is nothing short of grueling. She learned to scale ladders carrying 50 pounds of equipment, to crawl through dense smoke, to deal with blazing temperatures, to haul hoses, to make forcible entries, undaunted at the age of 52. Samantha became possibly the oldest woman in Alaska ever to complete Firefighter One training. Simultaneously teaching the CPR first aid portion of the course. And she's almost certainly the only person ever anywhere to do all this on crutches. <laughs> there are a myriad other areas where Samantha is a self-taught master. Quilting, gardening, disaster response drills, including the gory makeup, farming, uh, poultry farming, and butchering. Then there is the cooking. Through cookbooks, experimentation, and the Great British Baking Show, Samantha has taught herself to be an outstanding and adventurous culinarian, often using ingredients she's grown or raised herself on her farm. She's probably just a bit disappointed she wasn't asked to cook for this event. <laughs> <laughs> this woman does not stop. What you may not be aware of is that Samantha grew up unschooled in a one-room dry cabin on a homestead in Nova Scotia. As a girl, she was a voracious reader and read every book in the town library at least once. Reading became a lifelong habit. She didn't attend formal school until high school, so her hunger for learning was not inspired by Lynn Hampson or any of our wonderful teachers, rather by her own drive for excellence. Samantha is a person who not only sees the glass half full, but also how delicious the contents are. She is constantly learning, both to feed her own insatiable mind and to better serve our community. She fully embodies the spirit of lifelong learning 
and we, all of us, are ridiculously lucky to have her. With that, it's my pleasure to present the 2023 Celebration of Lifelong Learning recipient, Samantha Cunningham. Samantha. Did anybody not get that yet? So there's, there's the formal introduction. Um, if I were teaching this as a class, I'd tell everybody to get up and take a stretch moment here, but I think we can manage to get through this. We've had some amazing presentations tonight. It's been amazing to listen to everything and hear it. So I'll try and finish out the night with some stories, which is a time-honored way to finish out a good evening. It's been an amazing privilege to live in Homer for the 28 years that I've been here. And when I moved here, it very much felt like coming home. And the reasons for that people have been touching on tonight, my introduction. Thank you so much, Kate. I was born in Vermont, but in the early 70s, my folks packed up everything they owned onto a Ford F-50 pickup headed for the border and drove all the way up to Cape Breton, Nova Scotia, which is the end of the road, which should sound familiar to us here. Um, and they settled in a little town um, called Bedeck, population 700, 750, and bought 80 acres of land out in the woods and um, set about doing homesteading stuff. And this sounds really simple, but this is really the back of beyond. And back in the 70s, all the tools that we have today that we see people using to homestead, they weren't there. There was nothing. We lived on an unmaintained dirt road uh, two miles in. They did plow it on occasion in the winter time, but you know, when we moved there, there were little trees growing up in the center line, so this was not very, this is not very shishi. Um, they cleared the land, they plowed the sod with a horse drawn plow, uh, turned the sod over, planted sod potatoes and sunflowers. Um, I remember pulling out witchgrass by the bucketful. I don't know if anyone here has experienced witchgrass, but it's evil stuff. <clears throat> we plant, we uh, had no electricity. We had no running water. We had no telephone. I remember when the phone got installed because it scared the heck out of me, and I wouldn't have anything to do with it for years, wouldn't touch it. Yeah, <laughs> it's changed, yes. It's kind of glued to my ear now. The cabin was very small. My sister, myself, my parents, we lived in, it was a 10 by 12 cabin. Um, Kate alluded to that. It was rough lumber covered with tar paper. I believe that's called a tar paper shack. <laughs> no loft, no basement, nothing else. I can remember on uh, the winter time when the winds really blew, I'd wake up in the morning with this thin layer of beautiful crystalline snow on the blankets. Yeah, we settled in to reject the establishment and live off the land. So that's where this homeschooling comes in because there wasn't, it was, I couldn't get to school. So um, my mother called it homeschooling. Nowadays, we would know it as unschooling. 
basically what it meant for me was I got to read. And I got to read anything I wanted and as long as I wanted to read it. Remember that uh, pickup truck that we moved there with? Well, most of the back of the pickup truck was full of boxes of books. And we put them up in the hayloft because there wasn't room for them in the house. Boxes and boxes. And Bedeck also had that library that she mentioned. I think it was started in the 1950s, and I doubt they ever took a book back off the shelf. Bar none, it was the most important building in the town, the bright lights of Bedeck for me. And uh, I can still remember it as narrow windows recessed in the stone edifice of the library. You'd go up these musty steps in there, and down in the basement was the bathroom, and, and they had books. So many books. I have no idea how my mom talked them into it, but they would let me check out 40 books at a time. So I would take my milk crates in there, and I would fill my two milk crates, and then I'd haul them down to the Volkswagen bug or the actual horse and wagon buggy that we used to get to town with, and we'd go back home. Town is 15 miles away, so we got one town trip a month in the off months. And you know what the off months are in Alaska. You got three good months and then the rest of the off months, right? <laughs> the impact of that anonymous librarian who let us get away with that still reaches out through me to this day. So I'd go home and I would read. House was way too small. And besides, if I was in the house, somebody could see me. And they could ask me to do things or do homework or something like that. So I would read anywhere. I would take those books and I would go out into the hayloft over the goats. I would go um, out to the woodshed. I would go down the bank and read in the crook of this tree that we had out over the bank. Good books, bad books, boring books, it didn't matter. I normally read one to two books through a day if I was able to be, stay under the radar low enough. Uh, more if I could get my hands on them. There was basically no restriction, you know, I'd read them all and then I'd reread them and there was no restrictions because remember Free Range Kid? Not all of it was necessarily to grade level. Uh, for example, I remember the vividly the Time magazine covering the Jonestown Massacre. Some of you may actually remember the Jonestown Kool-Aid Massacre. There was the pictures of the bodies. There was the stories that went with it. Uh, not exactly what I would call appropriate material, but it made me think so many questions. You know, why did that happen? How could somebody let that happen? What would you do if you came upon that? You know, what made them believe in that? You know, parents, parents and children. You know, that's a really extreme example, but so much of the reading I did made me ask questions and try to build answers methodically for myself. Reading also gave me a diagnosis called dyslexia. It turns out I'm stunningly dyslexic. To this day, I can't write a bicycle worth beans. I read a lot of books about um, different disorders, and that's how I figured it out. I, the the thing about dyslexia is I have all sorts of elaborate mental paths now to compensate for that, and I'll talk about that in a moment. 
And when I was 13, my mother got frustrated and said, yeah, off to public school you go, and halfway through the eighth grade off I went to public school. That didn't go so well. I got very, very quiet for the next four years. Five foot 11 hippie kid out in uh, the conservative old Scottish communities does not exactly blend in. I didn't have any problem with the schoolwork. They wanted me to read. And then they wanted me to tell them what I'd read. I had that down, man, I can do this, no problem. The social part, well, you know, mouth shut, head down. Thankfully, they had a library. Noticing a pattern here? So I finished school. I vigorously fought off every attempt by everyone to send me to higher education and happily sank into a little farm in Vermont and grew strawberries and worked odd jobs and did whatever. And I might still be there if it wasn't for a coincidence that happened if you believe in coincidences. One day I was driving to work on this beautiful little winding Vermont road, shady trees, and I come around the corner and uh, there's a whole bunch of people at the side of the road looking down. So I stop the car and I get out and I look down too and there's this debris trail going down to a car, flipped down the bank, oh my goodness. Has anyone called 911? They hold on. Is there anybody in the car? So I scramble down the bank, and I get down there, and uh, there's a woman. She's upside down in the car, hanging. She's unconscious, um, and I'm there. I'm, I'm trying to do something. Ah, it was the worst feeling in the world. I had no clue what to do. I, I stayed there. I probably patted her hand. I, I had no clue what to do. Seemed like forever, but finally, a paramedic showed up. and. Immediately, she started giving people tasks. She started telling people things. You know, she, even without any tools, it was clear she had a plan. It was clear she knew what to do. She, she had it. She, she had things going. Finally, the ambulance shows up. Whew, thank you, ambulance. And I got to watch a whole extrication. You know, they did the whole thing where they stabilized the car and they did the thing. They took her out and they sledded her up and they put her in the back of the ambulance and closed the doors and drove off with those sirens. <laughs> I was hooked. <laughs> I didn't go to work that day. I went home. I, was, I looked like lightning had struck me. And I'm like, I want that. And I don't care what it takes. I want that. I signed up for my first CPR class that week. Well, that sounds easy. <laughs> However, let me toss in the obstacles. No formal education. Virtually no income. I made $2,000 a year tops. Oh, and I turned green and hyperventilated at the sight of blood. <laughs> True. It didn't matter. Sheer determination. I wanted that so bad, and I just pushed through it so hard. It got me through my first EMT class. It kept me on as a volunteer, learning how to be assertive enough to actually rescue people who needed help. Being quiet and keeping my head down did not serve me well when I was trying to rescue people. 
I wanted that dream and I had to really push my comfort levels hard to get that dream. Making your dreams into reality it takes an incredible amount of stubbornness at times. I had to leave the farm that I loved so much. I went off to Pittsburgh uh, to, be, to learn how to become a paramedic. I, had, I took a job in Richmond. One of the things about medic school that they don't tell you is that you graduate with this piece of paper. Hey, congratulations, you're a paramedic. And you now have permission to go out and learn how to become a medic. Good luck. Try to do well. Don't drop too many babies. So I did that. I got good at it. I figured it out. I didn't drop too many babies. And I uh, got it all pulled together, and then I moved to Alaska. And I thought getting a job up here would be pretty, you know, pretty attainable. I was a medic. There aren't a whole lot of paramedics up here. I was a teacher in uh, EMS. I was an instructor in BLS, ACLS, BTLS, PALS, this whole alphabet. What I hadn't learned was that up here, it's not what you know, it's who you know. And I didn't know anybody, and they sure as hell didn't know me. So we muddled along in our savings for a while until we had the house guests from hell who came to visit us from outside. And uh, we wined and dined them and took them all around Homer and sightseeing and all those good things. And then when it, literally the day that they left, I went out and got a job at Subway. And my partner went out and got a job as a ramp rat at Homer Air. Because, you know, you got to do what you got to do. I'm not knocking Subway, but... <laughs> That's a hell of a motivator for getting a job teaching. <laughs> Two good things happened to me. The um, mayor of uh, Soldovia hired us to come over and teach an EMT3 class. That's an advanced level provider class. And I bought a CPR business from a lady named Becky Flymeyer. I still have her Annie dolls. So starting out your teaching career by teaching in a small Alaska bush village in an advanced class is kind of like learning how to skydive without a parachute. Um, I really feel for those poor students who were our first ones. Um, we had taken, this was not the kinder, gentler days of education, people. So we fire-hosed these poor five students. We packed into them everything we had learned in our paramedic class. And we made them the best dart instructors in the whole wide world. I don't know how they managed to get through that class. They probably cried. But I had to learn a whole new skill, too. I had to learn to create a teaching persona. Somebody who could get up in front of a lot of people, talk to you, and even have people argue with me. And sometimes they were right. And I have to like figure it out on the fly. So I had to create this whole other persona that could do that right up in front of people. I learned so much. And I also started my lifelong love affair with teaching CPR, which I adore more than anything. Raise your hand if you took a CPR class from me. <laughs> wow. OK. Yeah. Thank you, everybody. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. I learned that my dyslexia was a gift here. I don't regurgitate numbers well. I don't give you charts well. But I do think in pictures. And I'm so grateful for my ability to share images when I'm teaching. 
for all of you. So I'm incredibly grateful for that, that learning part. All those five students at Soldovia passed. They became amazing advanced providers for their community. Um, I've gone on to teach, I think you did a great introduction, teaching EMS from in Homer. Um, I've taught to NACNEC to Sitka. Um, I tried to do an estimate of how many CPR students I, I couldn't. I do know I've taught over 5,000 school students. I was able to come up with that number. I love teaching in the schools above everything. It's my absolute favorite. Um, and, uh, and I'm very proud for years we taught, um, I was part of teaching every single seventh grader in Homer got a CPR class for 20 years. And that was amazing to be part of that. She was part of it too. Um, I also did this while raising two boys and volunteering as a paramedic, as we talked about. And that's not the only part that makes it challenging to put up with me. Um, she listed out a bunch of the things. I'm a huge believer in sustainable foods and sustainable living. Uh, every fall, I fill three freezers, conservatively, might be four, and a root cellar. Um, we try to eat all our own, you know, as much as we can of our own food. I try to cook as much of it as I can. I have to garden. I can't imagine life without dirt. Um, we've hosted woofers since before there were woofers in Alaska. I had to advertise with Canada. Um, and we did that for years and years. Mostly international kids who had never done anything like this before and some of whom didn't speak English. It was really cool. I love to quilt. I love to give quilts away. Um, I remember when Haven House got its new facility, we were able to get a grant, get a whole bunch of fabric, and we made quilts for all of their beds. That was so cool. You just had the LARP sneak preview. LARP has been going on for seven years now. Every Saturday, rain or shine, and I'm almost always there. So I didn't add up those numbers, but there's a lot of them. Um, having a youth-friendly organization that believes in being outside, being creative, and is inclusive of, of the LGBTQ community, as well as affordable. Anyone here tried to put a kid through hockey? Yeah, okay. That's no small feat to keep something like that going long term. And as they said in 2019, I took a firefighter one class, throwing those ladders with those young kids. Uh, that was something. And I'm very, very, very proud to be the EMS chief here in Homer under Chief Kirko. It's been, I cannot, it's such, that's a lifetime dream. My toes curl when I tell you all this stuff because talking about yourself much, right? Fun? Yeah, okay, yeah. So there's a reason for my overdoing it. Active, long-term paramedics are incredibly rare. We mostly don't exist, and here's why. I'm sharing this podium with the ghosts of thousands of 911 calls. There's a lot of different words for what that leads to eventually. 
PTSD, burnout, trauma. When I drive in Homer, I don't see the road. I see mile markers where things happened. Cars, people in ditches, crosses in the weeds that nobody but me knows are there anymore. Every single day when I drive, that's what Homer looks like through my eyes. So, when you're in a small town like Homer, that's even magnified more because you know those kids, you know the elders you're caring for. With every quilt that I get to stitch and give away, it's something that mends something inside of me. It pulls something back together again. Teaching CPR, giving other people the ability to save a life with their own bare hands, well, hot damn. You know, how much better than that does it get? As I get older, teaching a whole new generation can hopefully even do it better than me. Wouldn't that be awesome? You take it over here, pass the torch, man. Take it on. Go out there. Go forth and multiply, people. And LARP? Well, you know, I got to tell you that chasing somebody with a battle axe is really good therapy after a rough call. So, you know, it, it, there, there's these compensations. So I get back everything I give out and more. So if I want to pass on advice to all of you, it's an a happy, fulfilling life. Be a voracious learner. Don't let anybody limit what you can go for, what you can read, how you can think. Do what you can in any way, shape, or form for your community. It doesn't have to be big and splashy. The little things are just as important to stitch as the big things. Let kids read things you don't agree with. Let them dress weird. Um, let them get lost out in the woods. Let them have some empowerment in those things. Live. I promise you, to all of Homer, you will get back what you give out. And I'm so grateful to all of you. This has been an amazing night. I never thought this would happen. And all I can say is thank you reflected back to all of you for being here and letting me share this with you tonight. And as the crowd shows their appreciation, thanks to Samantha Cunningham. That was Samantha Cunningham accepting the 2023 Lifelong Learner Honor, uh, introduced by Kate Meyer. And then later, right after that, there was uh, Andy Haas's usual song and dance for Bob the Bookmobile. But Andy is not here to sing and dance for us, but Lynn Hampson is here. Lynn, can you talk a little bit about uh, what we what people missed with Bob the Bookmobile? Because I hear Bob needs an overhaul. Well, um, Kathleen, Bob may need an overhaul. We haven't had an official makeover yet, but um, one of the drivers had a little bit of brake issues last summer, and um, I can speak personally of driving up the hill to take Bob to um, Anchor Point and feeling like Bob's shifting was getting a little rusty. So I think like many of us in this community, Bob could maybe use a few new parts, and that's kind of out of Dr. Adcox's 
uh, bailiwick, so we may have to be looking for uh, for a mechanic to work with Bob. Um, I think Bob is one of the most beloved things, um, aspects of, of Homer life. When people ask me, what have you been doing since you retired? If I tell them I get to drive Bob, they back off. They say, oh my gosh. I think they see me doing that 24-7 with my lunch or something. But <clears throat> Bob isn't a really important thing. And I think anybody who's uh, seen kids coming away from the bookmobile, clutching a book and, and really excited can understand what that means. Uh, because of COVID, there was money for books to be given to kids rather than checked out like they used to be from the bookmobile. That's my favorite thing about Bob. You don't have to bring the books back. <laughs> right. But uh, as we all know, happily, COVID money is over. Yeah. And we need to figure out a way to make Bob sustainable um, while still providing interesting and, and relevant books for kids. So um, so you get a Bob action figure, right? Right. So we uh, Joy Stewart had a box of animal crackers, and we made a sleeve for it. That is Bob. So when you buy a mini, what we call mini Bobs, that's our um, little icon for the fundraiser this summer. We've had rocket ships in the past and flowers. And how much is a mini Bob? A mini Bob is $25. And granted, you can get animal crackers for less money, but you don't support Bob when you do right, that. Right, but you can't get a Bob action figure. No, you do not. And um, we are hoping that people will purchase those within mind of keeping the summer reading program and um, Bob's uh, physiognomy uh, working so that everybody can keep getting, keep getting books and being excited and finding that they like reading. And um, a great incident is we took Bob to Paul Banks and there was a little boy there and I asked him his name so I could write it down and he said, well, you're supposed to know me. And I said, well, why is that? He said, well, because I came to the bookmobile with you every Thursday morning uh, before soccer, and I always got Junie B books, and you should know my name. And then he turned to his friend and said, she should know my name. <laughs> so Bob is an important uh, part of our community, really hoping that people will support Bob by buying a, a mini Bob and enjoying the animal crackers inside. Well, thanks. That's Lynn Hampson. There are also, Cheryl Ilg is here from Friends of the Homer Library. <coughs> There are also ways to sponsor a reader. You've got authors coming up. What's happening at the library? Yeah, well, I just wanted to let you know, if you want to know more about Friends of the Home Republic Library, you can start by going to our webpage online at friendsofthehomerepubliclibrary.org. Uh, there you can become a member. You can subscribe to our monthly newsletters so you're up to date on what's going on. You can also follow us on Facebook and uh, I just wanted to let you know that we are just now wrapping up Love Your Library Month at the library, uh, where we were um, honoring patrons by giving them a chance to win coffee cards each week. Uh, four coffee cards, uh, or four lucky winners were drawn each week, um, and those were mailed out to the winners, as well as an opportunity for patrons to share why they loved the library. And we received lots of paper hearts uh, with statements of why they loved the library, including, I really love reading in the cozy chair by the warm fireplace and the kids' chess. I love the library because I always get inspired when I come here. 
Um, and I love the library because of the great people who work there. We're just uh, some of the few hearts that you will see posted in a library currently. Um, so can, you, can you, in two minutes, tell me how to sponsor a reader? I want to sponsor a reader. What do I do? Well, the best, the best fundraiser that we have going on right now is the, the, bob, the buying the mini bob. Get yourself a mini bob. Get That's yourself a way. mini bob, um, and you can stop by the Homer Public Library and purchase one of those for $25 at the front desk. Um, that's what we're doing this year um, awesome. in support of the summer reading program in the Bookmobile. And um, you also have author visits coming up? Yes, we do. Uh, this weekend, uh, Saturday, March 4th, we have the Chickaloonies uh, graphic novel artists coming to do a comic workshop. Ooh, um, the, the creators of this graphic novel incorporate Native Alaskan stories and storytelling and art. Uh, this is for ages 10 and up. Uh, find out more on the Homer Public Library calendar page. Is there how much is it to participate? It's free. It's yes, free, free at yourself, the library. If you want to pitch in, get yourself a mini bob. There you go. Um, we also have on March 9th, Derek Stoneroff will be there uh, to give an author talk and a book signing of his new book, Watch the Bear. Uh, half Century with the Brown Bears of Alaska. Um, this will be a hybrid event, so you can come uh, join us in person or online via Zoom. Um, on March 24th, we have Margaret Wilson coming to Homer. She will be uh, visiting the library to discuss her book, Wo uh, Woman, Captain Rebel, the extraordinary true story of a daring Icelandic sea captain. Um, and then in April... Uh, you can put down Peter Kaufman, who will be um, joining us for a poetry reading of Ooh, I'm his excited. The Round Whisper of No Moon. Well, Cheryl Ilg, I so appreciate, and Lynn Hampson, I appreciate you being here to help bring this to people. Congratulations to Thea Person and Samantha Cunningham, and thanks to all the people who make the Lifelong Learner event what it is. One thing we missed was that we haven't talked about is the swing choir was there. So I'm going to play the Swing Choir's presentation as we uh, end Coffee Table this morning. Uh, so here comes Kyle Schneider. Just to remind you, Newsies, the musical at the Mariner Theater at Homer High School, will be March 25th and 26th. And here comes the Swing Choir. Good evening, all. My name is Kyle Schneider. I'm the director of the Homer High School Choral Program. Um, and in front of you this evening, we have a portion of swing choir as with most swing choir members they are involved in just about everything and so a good number of the folks who are not here this evening are either out in the community working at their job in addition to the second job they probably have in addition to that in addition to being a student but also we have a number of our swing choir members who are up representing Homer High School at Drama Debate and Forensic States this weekend and so they are up there. The piece that we're going to perform for you tonight is a piece called Can't Help Falling in Love. Most of us probably heard and saw this for the first time in the Elvis Presley movie, Blue Hawaii. Some of us may have heard Joan Baez's rearrangement of it in 1966, perhaps Nana Muscuri's arrangement of it in French and in Arabic in 1971. But in keeping with the thought process of lifelong learners, all of these incredible artists let their songwriters 
write for them. And those songwriters were themselves lifelong learners because this piece was not a piece of their own creation or of their own doing, but in fact was written in 1784, originally written as Plaisir d'Amour by Jean-Paul Aguide Martini. And the text for that was by Jean-Pierre Clarisse de Florian from a poem from his novel Clementine. Everything old is new again because the arrangement you're going to hear this evening is actually the arrangement that the vocal acapella group Pentatonics sang most recently in 2018. So can't help falling in love by a whole number of people over the past 300 years or so. That is the Homer High School Swing Choir under the direction of Kyle Schneider. And this is Coffee Table. You are tuned to KBBI Homer AM 890 and K201AO Seward 88.1 FM.